welcome to another edition of the Spooky Succubus cast. We just asked each other if we were ready like eight times. You ready? Are you ready? You ready? ready? You ready? I'm not ready. You ready? And we're not. We're still not. Yeah. It's because um, emotionally, no, I'm not ready. I've so never Jocelyn, been ready. Jocelyn says that we're too self-deprecating on this podcast and we um, shouldn't call ourselves it, ourselves idiots because listen, we're not. Jocelyn, I don't... <laughs> I don't know you. I'm sure I would love you. Uh, that's m- the only humor I have, truly. So, like, I don't I can't help it. I don't have anywhere just, else to go. I'm just mirroring Rebecca's energy back. I don't know what to do. We're, we're all doing our best. <laughs> Am I? No, that's more self-deprecation. Uh, but, yeah, Ooh. I got nothing. I got nowhere to go. Well, you know the drill. Rebecca Abbey, anti-racist, anti-capitalist, uh, anti-policing, Pro sex work, pro community building, uh, podcast about horror movies, and we we are like Flan fans. We need to tone it down. We're Listen, going full on Flan. I have my problems. I do like Mike Flanagan, um, but I think he you just li- done you better. just like to cry. <laughs> I do love to cry. Um, but yeah, I think there are some instances where, uh, he could have done better in this movie, but you know, definitely. Yeah. Anyway. And we'll get into, uh, more of that when we go th- kind of through our analysis later, but this is probably the one Mike Flanagan joint that won't make you weep. Uh, 2016's thriller, it's kind of slasher thriller. Hush. Did you cry? No. Yeah, there wasn't really. I guess like there a, is like a the moment when she's writing her like little farewell note is kind of sad. The triumphant music really undercut it because I was like, "This is ball, 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 so ball, ball, cheesy." Ball, ball, ball. I I like I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote it like cheesy music. That's what I wrote in my notes. Um, so we'll set up talking today uh, by saying this movie features a deaf person not a deaf actress the character is deaf mm-hmm. uh and the terms that we'll use today are deaf or hard of hearing we don't use hearing impaired because hearing impaired implies that there is a deficiency or something wrong that needs to be corrected which is ableist and we don't subscribe to that here so mm-hmm. again deaf or hard of hearing what is uh like hearing health foundation what do they say about yeah, good question. Hearing loss. I want to know. Well, that's one of the articles that I read, but I'm not sure. All right. Congrats. Congrats. Everyone is maybe to, I read one, maybe like <laughs> uh, hearing loss. I don't know the words. Uh, I have to be kind of frank with you. What? Don't know where you're going here. I forgot what I was going to say. It's because I got distracted <laughs> looking at this website and trying to okay. find like... While you look at the website, Common myth. We... that's the tab I'm going to open. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, you, yeah, you go we're, on we're, ahead. Having, we're having a banner week. <laughs> I've yeah, had I a think. hard time. I'm barely alive. Bro, the burnout is real. I saw this uh, TikTok. Actually, TikTok is like maybe making me too in touch with my own like corporate burnout to the point where I'm like, maybe I actually didn't need to know this. But they were like, if at your position 
any small thing that you already know the answer to sound feels like a burden, you're probably burned out. And it's true. Every time I get an email that's like, can you give me this number that's like very easily accessible? I'm like, why would you fucking ask me that? Like, why? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. I... And uh, they're like, I mean, t- I am on like the worst sides of TikTok. First of all, soup talk. It's not good. It's weird. French onion soup TikTok is like a really weird place to be. How did you get to soup TikTok? I don't know. (laughs) I'm definitely only on communist TikTok and like. uh, I'm on. This is my list. Uh, I'm on communist TikTok, depressed depression ADHD TikTok, BIPOC TikTok. I'm over there. BIPOC. Somehow I'm on like hairdressers talking to Karens TikTok. Oh my and god, then, I wish I was there. That sounds it's like kind of a fun. good time. <laughs> TikTok thinks I'm queer and I... Oh yeah, me too. I sh- I'm sure I am, but I, like, I'm like, I don't really have the emotional bandwidth for this right now, okay? You, you're I have not a ready lot to of other stuff anything. to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm like, not. Circle so I'm like in a while. Just because I'm a communist, BIPOC doesn't also mean I'm part of the LGBTQ plus community. Like, I'm not yeah, in all I the mean, boxes. I gotta be in one, you know? I've definitely learned a lot. Um, yeah. And as an old, an elder millennial, it's good to keep up with, like, how people are self-identifying and how, like, intersectionality is changing and morphing because we are going to be elderly. Not for a long time because the world will explode, but at some point we're going to be outdated garbage cans. So I already feel you know, elderly. Um, I know. So Like, for so long, when they said NB, I was like, they would spell it like E-N-B-Y, and I was like, NB, what's that? I was like, non-binary, you stupid bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so dumb. I, like, can't even read. Sorry, Jocelyn, sorry. Um, All right. You can read. I've seen you do it. So Right now there. I'm reading. So my new thing is uh, picking up... <laughs> 199 high fantasy novels at Savers with no context. So right now I'm reading The Hand of Chaos. Uh, It's about giant dragons that attack. I was going to say, is that a cow or a dragon on the front? Cow dragon. Uh, And there's like five other novels that I haven't read. So I'm just like, I don't really know, but I'm going to soldier on. You're going to do it. I'm, I'm reading, still reading women race and class. It's a, it's, I just, everything's terrible. It's really uh, bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are currently living through, like, a seismic shift in society where we're realizing what we're doing doesn't work and it's crumbling around us. Yeah. But we're still just kind of doing it. Um, right, Like, I'm yeah. still trying to find another job. I'm still trying to buy a house. Like, why am Every I time I things? walk by a house, I'm like, why can't I live there? Like, why am I not allowed to live there? Every time. I was just walking the dog, and I'm like, I would like to live in this house, but no. Yeah, why can't anyone just live in a house? Yeah, there's so many unused empty houses across America, and there's way more unhoused, or there's way more empty houses than there are unhoused people, which is fucked up. Right. But it's not the house that's the problem. It's the mentality that's keeping um, people experiencing houselessness where they are. So exactly. 
All right. That's anyway, not we're, we're talking about talk a different about. house. We're talking about someone who has a house. Good for I her. I want this house. I, I know texted you do. Rebecca and I was like, besides the murderous, like misogynist running around outside, beautiful house. Beautiful I could house. not live there. I, Lovely situation. It's oh, too far in the woods. I can't. I would love it. No. Okay. Why do Think you of the murders. Think of the murders. I mean, I go okay for you. I'd worry about you, but you know, you worry about me when I'm hiking on like state trails with other like a million. By other yourself, people. because you're also texting me like I was lost for two hours, and I'm like, I did yes, ah, no. Okay, that one was <laughs> not as serious. Now, when I think back on it, it wasn't as serious as it <laughs> kind of felt when I was like, I'm going to die in here. But yeah, it just, I got a little confused with the trail markers. And then at some point I didn't know, I knew which direction it was back to the car, like on the, you know, compass. But then it got confusing. I used my compass app. I figured it out. Okay. Well, you're here I'm getting now, better. So. I'm getting better at trail maps too. <laughs> They're not easy to read, okay? It's true. Suspenseful music plays as we pan over dense forest, my dream home, uh, landing on a remote house, beautiful, beautiful porch. I bet during the day, gorgeous light, lovely Mm. sliding door. Mm -hmm. Inside, we follow close-up shots of a person cooking dinner. Uh, We see the woman's face panning up to her ears. A little obvious there, Flan. Mm. uh, As the cooking sounds fade out, and we find out that she's deaf. Her next-door neighbor, Sarah, texts her and wants to stop by. She feeds her cat and waits for her neighbor, Sarah, who she has a burgeoning friendship with. She's making the most complicated meal for herself. Like, imagine loving yourself that much. Like, I mean, I don't. I eat Trader Joe's frozen food and uh, cry over my piles of dishes. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I just want to say. You didn't fuck everything up. The cream sauce maybe didn't work, but the how do you fuck up sautéing asparagus? It's how yeah, asparagus? the asparagus is fine. You can still eat it. Also, like there was so much smoke. Anyway, it yeah, that must have been like best. confection grade oven or something. <laughs> Very hot. Sarah uh, arrives and they hug. Sarah's learning to sign, even though Maddie can read her lips, which is like really heartwarming. It was like a really nice example of a female friendship. It was. You know, I also, really, I was like, aw. Sarah is great at signing. Like, she knew exactly what Maddie was saying. So I don't know, like, yeah. what beginner course are you taking? Are you, like, a savant? I'm. You're great at it. See, this is what happens when we leave the cities, go out into more remote areas. The cost of living is lower. You know, you can just make do with whatever, you know, part-time job. And then you have plenty of time for self-enrichment <laughs> and hobbies. Right. <laughs> or just watching uh, Project One Way over and over again, which is what I do. Ooh, it's back. Yeah. Oh, man, the early seasons of Project Runway were so funny. Uh, yeah. I, I'm sure they're problematic. It's just like... I know. I haven't been back there in a long time. But yeah, the new ones, they've got... Christian Siriano. I love him. I love him. Yeah. And they're like more than just... Like, one size of model. Many sizes. It's exciting times. Anyway. Watch. Everybody watch I, Project One Way. I will. I'm a Bravaholic. Uh, yes. 
So Sarah finished reading Maddie's book. Uh, Maddie is an author, and she loved it. She asks her how she made such a suspenseful ending, and Maddie says all the possible endings play out like a movie in her head, uh, and they all play at once, and it's hard to make the voices quiet. Sarah asks if the voice sounds like a kid since Maddie was 13 when she lost her hearing, but Maddie says it sounds like her mom. Then the fire fire alarm goes off. Shut up, Rebecca. <laughs> I was I was like, okay, everybody. Oh, that was another okay. like sympathetic. Oh, whatever. Th- no, stop. It sounds like my mom, Carla Gugino, or whatever, whoever <laughs> is in Haunting of Hill House. Uh, the so the fire alarm goes off because Maddie left the oven on and she like burned her lamb chops or whatever. It's extremely loud because she has to feel the vibrations when she's sleeping and Sarah is like visibly shaken uh, from the alarm. Sarah uh, then invites her for dinner. Since Maddie ruined her dinner, I was like, yeah, I'm sure there's no other food in this house. This huge house with your gorgeous kitchen. Humongous house. Beautiful kitchen. But Maddie says she has to work. They say goodbye, and Maddie gets a text from a man named Craig, a former flame, which this she deletes. Is another. Okay, so we've got a love interest of color who isn't even on screen. He's just an icon on a phone. Like, we could yeah. have done better. This is not okay. But in Flanny's defense, in Flan's defense, mm. 2016, and now he's made a lot of strides with casting like diverse people. I mean, Haunting of Bly Manor only had like a couple of white people on it. Yeah, I mean, more than a couple. Two. Wait, no, it had three a lot of, of the main but, characters were. But white there people. was there was queer representation. Yeah, black South Asian. He's. I'm not a flan apologist, but he's doing better than many of his peers. Shut up! I'm just saying he does better than many of his peers, and I think you know we can carve space to acknowledge that while still being critical of the decisions he makes in casting. 2016 wasn't that long ago, you know. It wasn't. I'm just saying. I was pointing out. But he had several big shows. Blind Manor and Haunting of Hill House that had people of color on screen. Mm-hmm. Still. Okay. I, I'm going to need you to put your boner for Mike Flanagan away. <laughs> oh my God. I can't. He's not. <laughs> You're in love. Anyway. I'm in love and I don't care who knows it. Yes. Okay. So obviously we still have to hold Mike Flanagan accountable for decisions made in this movie and other mm-hmm. casting decisions. True. I digress. All right. What's going on? Uh, Maddie's working on a book called Sweetwater and ponders a possible ending. Frustrated, she impulsively FaceTimes Craig, which is like the worst name, Craig, but hangs up before it connects. She starts to clean up after her failed dinner as Sarah appears at the door, pounding on it and begging for help. Very unlikely she wouldn't have felt the vibrations of this. I was going to say, yeah, she's like full force, very close to her. And if she can feel the vibrations... A deaf critic, which I'll talk about later, was like, yeah, she would have noticed out of her peripheral vision and felt the vibrations. Like, yeah. This is very unrealistic. I have terrible eyesight and I still have peripheral vision. Like, it's, I can see around me. I don't know. Convenient. Yeah, same. Uh, also, yeah, there's like always a fly in my apartment bothering me. Oh, sorry. Ugh. I shouldn't have said that to you. Ugh. There's uh, a so, bug situation here that we there was a cricket on the ceiling last night and I nearly had a mental I breakdown. Think, I was upset. I mean, crickets are sort of innocuous as far as I, bugs go. No, 
I disagree. No bugs. Please, I, I like, I understand that bugs exist. That's fine. Just not near me, please, because I'll freak out. <laughs> I really don't have a problem cohabitating with bugs, to be honest with you. Okay, look, it you can me. live here. I don't, I, there, a locust flew in the other day. I, it was a lot. Uh, I hate bugs. Okay, maybe a locust is a bridge too far. This isn't the Bible, okay? It was huge. Well, like, they, it's Arizona, they're in the trees. They love to make the noise, so, and there's yeah. a big tree out in front, so. Is it a nice tree, at least? Oh, yeah. Part of it fell down the other day and, like, narrowly oh missed our fence, but it was cool. And what I think day. that's why what the locusts we... are, like, freaking out and jumping oh, in yeah, apartment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I told you about how we had a skunk just living in our building with us last year, right? <laughs> I don't remember you telling me Oh, my me that. gosh. Okay, this is off topic, but it's like, it's kind of funny. Yeah, so Adam was somewhere. He was, like, he was, like, off watching football with a friend or something. And I just walked out into the, uh, like, the main hallway of our building. And I was like, oh, my God, it smells like so much like skunk like I feel like there's a skunk standing next to me so Adam asked around with the first floor tenants and the guy that lives in the basement who's like kind of goofy I mean I don't know how else to describe him he's like oh yeah I've seen that skunk coming in and out of my apartment (gasps) (laughs) it was in the apartment downstairs in the basement the basement apartment his door is just open there was a hole somehow there was a hole in the foundation and he's like yeah i saw that skunk he kind of goes in and out and i was like we can't i'll put up with a lot i've been renting in boston for a long time my expectations are already on the floor but we can't literally have a skunk living inside of the building we can have a skunk that skulks around the property but cohabitating with a skunk indoors is just a little too far for me oh my god yeah, why a long time to get rid of the skunk. I, I, why, he, he was just like, oh yeah, here, skunk, do you want a slice of pizza? Like, what do you, yeah. like... <laughs> Hello, Pep, they called him Pepe Le Pew. <laughs> How was your day? Pepe like, Le what? Pew, problematic character, also. Oh yeah, Ta- I mean, yeah, all the Looney Tunes. Hello, Yosemite Sam? Like the Yowza. little racist mouse, that whose name I forget? Oh, the... Who wore us? Sombrero had two guns. Uh huh. What the fuck was that Looney Tunes mouse's name? I feel uh, like we're not racist be happy mouse. <laughs> that was Looney his name. Tunes. What are we doing? Is Looney this... Tunes racist mouse. Is That's this what, what we're, we're doing. I can't remember any of the. Uh, I'm sure that Tweety Bird. Nah, oh, what did Tweety Bird ever do? Speedy, Speedy Gonzalez. Of yeah. course, Speedy Gonzalez. How could I ever forget that racist, really, racist name? Outside of the sombrero, he's like really cute, though. Hey! Uh, I'll never forgive. Oh, God, so racist. I should save this Everybody, image, so. I'm going to tell you right now. Don't put on a funny party fake sombrero. It's racist. You're being racist. Yeah, please don't You're being do reductive. that. Please don't wear a fake mustache with a sombrero. I don't know why anybody would be doing that, but it like, seems like it's not over yet. A uh, whole country of people, a whole, I don't know, 40 countries that identify as Latinx um, are not a cartoon and are not to be ridiculed. Just saying, put your fucking sombrero away. I hate May and Michaels and Joanne's and fucking Party City with their fake mustaches. I'm going to scream. Anyway, speedy I mean, a fake mustache, fake mustache in itself, 
is one thing, you know. You put it all together. It's like, fake mustache is, like, neutral evil, and then with the sombrero, it's, like, chaotic evil, you know. God, I can't. Whew, anyway, right, let's talk about this movie. Back to the actual movie we're talking about. <laughs> so Sarah's pounding on the door, begging for help. Obviously, Maddie does not clock it, as we said before. Uh, and Sarah is shot with a crossbow bolt and then stabbed repeatedly by a man in the ma- in a mask, like up against the glass, and Maddie clocks nothing. She doesn't notice. After Sarah is dead, the man knocks on the window and realizes that Maddie is deaf. Inside, Craig calls Maddie again, and she ignores it, so she just goes back to work. She types kind of idly on her computer, as we all do. La la la, I hate my life. It was pretty cute. <laughs> yeah. And the mask and- is pretty scary, like. It, he probably should have left it on. Mask. No, I mm. thought he was kind of hot. We'll talk about that later. He is no, he is hot in other contexts, but he does he did the creep really well. Yeah, especially in the like talking scenes. I was like, you're really selling this. You're fucking John crazy. Gallagher yeah. Jr. Anyway, so uh, then Max, Maddie's sister, facetimes her. Maddie and Max, the characters, are named after Kate Siegel's nieces, which is pretty cute. Cute. Uh, Max wants her to come back to the city and says she shouldn't be so isolated. And then she notices something move behind Maddie in the video. But Maddie says it's probably just the cat. Okay, I'm not going to judge anybody. Everybody has stupid nicknames. But Squish and Squash are the dumbest fucking nicknames I've ever heard. I don't. It's stupid. It's not my favorite. Do you and Annie have nicknames? Uh, she... Yeah, kind of. She has more of a nickname for me than I have for her. but And it's a nickname Emma. based off a word that I don't like, so... Uh, well, not gonna, it's, like, funny. I'm not, I'm not asking you to say anything. I'm just thinking about what I'm going to eat for dinner. That's from Trader Joe's. In your freezer? Frozen Trader Joe's dinner, <laughs> yeah. Mm. Okay, so someone... Oh, Maddie shakes the cat food and walks around looking for her. Uh, She doesn't find the cat and goes back to work, but just then her computer gets a text from her phone. Okay, I have to say right now, like, my iMessage is going to my computer like a normal thing for me, but because I'm kind of, like, slow and not very smart, I was like, this can happen? And when I first saw this movie, I was like, whoa, the technology! (laughs) Because her computer gets a text from her phone with photographs of her taken kind of from angles around the house as she works and looks for the cat. She also has an icon of her, like a picture of herself, so it looks more like... I know! Like, mine is like a lightning bolt, whatever came with the phone, like whatever is like. I think mine is just... It's like the circle with cheetah print in it. I think is what mine is. How cute. <laughs> so she comes to the door, which is open, and comes face to face with a masked man holding her phone and a crossbow. This, in my notes, I meant to look this up. How easy is it to just purchase a crossbow? Is that not hard? I just think go it's probably like pretty easy. Dick's like Dick's putting sporting good Cabela's or something, and you get like Cabela's equipment. Is- I don't like it in Cabela's. It's uh, I hate it. It makes me want to cry. So many dead animals. Um, and Republicans. Ugh. Ew. Uh. So Maddie runs around to lock up the house, and he retreats into the yard, stalking around. She starts to call 911 from her laptop, but because she doesn't have her phone, she doesn't have the network, she only has the Wi-Fi, and the man cuts the power so the Wi-Fi's out. 
He appears at the window and they make eye contact and he screeches his knife across the glass, which I didn't really enjoy. She can't hear and, you. Like, yeah. Why, why are you doing? I think at this point he knows that, right? Yeah. So he like stabbed a woman up against the window like 20 times. You're also only so making... sexual that scene. He's like <gasps> up against her, like thrusting like with I her. know. It's Gross. like the Jack Frost snowman sexual assault Ooh. all over again. She, uh, oh yeah, he slashes her tires. She then writes a message in lipstick on the window. She won't tell and she didn't see his face and that her boyfriend is coming home soon. He takes off his mask and asks if she can read his lips. He says, you've seen my face now and recites back her sister's concerns about Maddie's isolation from the call. Which was really sinister. He's standing uh, he says, so far away and he is barely moving her li- his lips. Like, can she read? Th- How good is her eyesight? Like, is she superhuman? No, because she doesn't have any peripheral. Clearly. Yeah. He's like, what? I, was he standing far away? Yeah. She's like. A, <laughs> he's kind of a mumbler, a mumblist. Mumbler. Yeah. And she's sitting on the stairs and he's like, I don't know, two feet from the door. They're far apart. Logistically, I, I will say this did not bother me, but I recognize and acknowledge your concerns. Like, Mumbler, anti-sparway. She cannot understand him. <laughs> uh, he says he can come in and get her anytime he wants, but he's going to wait until it's time. When she wishes she was dead, that's when he'll come inside. Maddie grabs a knife and a hammer and hides until she notices a banging on the window. Ew. The man is holding Sarah's body up and tapping her hand on the window. Maddie cries, which I thought her crying was believable throughout this whole movie. I thought she does a good job portraying like real unchecked frustration and emotion. I was like, cry and also run. Like, now's your time to run. He's holding a dead body. Get out. I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't think she could outrun him. She wasn't yet injured. I I still don't. I think it's just too risque. I would have tried to book it. She has some walkable, like, in walking distance neighbors. So, like. Also, I mean, you can get kind of far on a car with slash tire. Like, you could get somewhere on the rims, right? Like, yeah. It's not, per- it's not perfect, but. You could do. I mean, yeah. You'd you have could get some, away like, from electricity him. slices. But, yeah, I don't know. You'll be fine. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, this is all moot because that's like, not how it played out. Maddie cries, but remembers the phone in Sarah's back pocket when she came over earlier. She grabs her key fob and sets off her car alarm to distract the man. She goes to try to grab Sarah's phone off her body, but the man discovers her. She crawls back into the window she'd snuck out of and slams it on his hand, but he manages to pry it open. She then grabs the hammer and hits him with it, but he taunts her with Sarah's phone and I think her house keys. Is that right? No, he takes an earring out of her ear. Okay, well, I did not know. I was like, what's with the earring? Why are you taking this earring? I'm so confused about his, like, like, particular psychopathy because he's, like, like, really into stabbing, but then also crossbows, but then he took an earring for no reason. Yeah. And he's kind of torturing her. It's, he's doing a whole lot. Why, why a crossbow bolt and then the stabbing? Like, you already had her pretty much, like where you wanted her to stab her. Right. right? Yeah, why well, yeah. I don't I don't know. 
you know, pick His a motives. lane, Flan. I'm trying to make up for being a Flan apologist earlier. <laughs> getting critical. He's also a bad guy because he's got a neck tattoo. How dare Ew. he? I kind of liked are nasty. it. I wanted. I one. liked it. I thought if I saw that guy in a bar, yeah, totally he's like go home with him. Boring, no hot. He's like boring looking. So boring looking that it's he's hot. Yeah, it's like he's so boring looking that you're like, whoa, a Carhartt jacket? <laughs> Crazy, you know? <laughs> Two tones? Wow. And a hood? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Maddie sneaks out the front door and hides under the porch when the man approaches. She sees him depart and tries to run, but he starts firing his crossbow at her. She makes it back inside and runs upstairs and watches the man walk around with his crossbow she then, oh, like around the property. She then escapes out of a second floor window and onto the first floor roof. She tosses her flashlight into the woods and moves the opposite direction. But when she goes down the trellis, the man shoots her in the leg with a bolt from his crossbow. Like, I would how not have done long, any of this. How long did you think it was going to take for him to investigate a flashlight on the ground? Like, he's, you got to move faster. Yeah, and it wasn't really heavy enough for her to throw it particularly far. Just generally. Not the best move, you know? It's also, like, the leaves on the ground are loud. I get it. They're nice and crunchy. But this tin roof makes no noise. Like, no noise, but leaves on the ground is a cat on on a piano. It's, like, making all the noise. I don't know. It's confused. So he climbs the trellis. An aluminum roof would make noise. Yeah. Anyway. I know. (laughs) She's wearing her kids. She's got her little kids on. Those quiet shoes. Take them off. You're making too much noise. He climbs the trellis to get to her and throws his crossbow over onto the roof while he finishes his climb. But Maddie grabs it and kicks him in the face. She and the crossbow make it back inside, but her leg is pretty fucked up. She cleans and wraps her leg wound in the bathroom and practices loading the crossbow as the man watches her kind of fail from outside. John, Sarah's boyfriend, arrives looking for Sarah. He sees Maddie's note to the man and begins to call the cops, but the man poses as a cop responding to a call. The man pumps John for information about Maddie, and John grows suspicious. The scene goes on, like, way too long. John, you're fucking dumb. Like, you're dumb. Like, this this doesn't seem suspicious at all. He's all bloody, plain clothes, no bags. He's like, hey, how are ya? He's, like, completely manic. I mean, (laughs) it's like... John. His hands all fucked up. He's like, been punched in the face. It's, yeah. Yeah. Like, John, I don't think you deserve to die, but, like, this could have been prevented. I do Upstairs, enjoy that the killer is using, like, imperialistic obedience against, you know, like, fuck the cops. Oh, yeah. I totally agree. Upstairs, Maddie's still working on the crossbow. Uh, John points, John, fucking idiot, points the man to a planter, saying there's a spare key inside, and plans to hit him over the head with a rock from behind. But Maddie comes to the window, knocking just at that moment, distracts everybody, and the man stabs John in the neck. Maddie, no. If you spent less time trying to load this crossbow that you clearly can't load, like, I couldn't load it either, but, like, just move on. Get a new plan. Don't come up in the middle. Like, you see John with a rock in his hand. Don't yeah, interrupt. Yeah, just let him, let him go. Right. But I also don't agree with victim blaming. I don't Poor know. Maddie. She, I, you, you don't like Maddie, do you? I don't. I, she made a lot of dumb decisions. Anyway, I'm just saying. I'm, you Both she and John could have gotten out of this if she were not fucking around with that crossbow. 
I'm Googling, um... How hard it is to load across No. <laughs> I Googled boring hot man, and I got this, uh... Who is it? Well, I got a, a search that seems to be, like, a faux book cover called Cowboy Hot, The City Boy Wrangles a Real Man. And I think... I just wanted to share it with you. Interesting. Cowboy Very, hot. very good stuff. Love Some it. Hemsworths under here. Mm, yeah, I, I, I guess know. the hem, Hemsworths are Is that how hot. they look in, in New Zealand or Australia? I feel like they all have, like, brown hair and beards. All the white people there. Yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. And, like, abdominal bedal. They're all surfing all the time, so. Exactly. Walking around so, killing spiders, uh, building those is, muscles. Yes, like tarantulas, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, bleeding out, John manages to tackle the man, and Maddie appears at the window, and John mouths to run. Maddie's inner voice talks to her, going through all possible endings. She can't outrun him on her legs. She can't load the crossbow. If she hides or waits, she'll bleed to death, and going outside isn't really an option. Uh, She knows she's starting to bleed out and she's dying and there are too many endings that end with her dying. So the only thing he won't expect is if she kills him. John finally is dead. R.I.P. John. Uh, The man decides to wait a while to go in until Maddie has lost more blood. The cat appears and he begins to slit her throat, but Maddie shoots him with a crossbow bolt. Yeah, don't touch bitch. Don't get away from her. Bitch, the cat is saved. Bitch for life. Uh, she almost makes it back inside, but he crushes her hand in the door. He, like, slams her wrist in the door and then steps the fucking shit out of, like, stomps on her foot. I was like, man, she's not going to be able to sign. That's so fucking fucked up. Mike Flanagan loves uh, emotional trauma and joint pain. He loves, like, us this like, is really both. thinking about our joints. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot. He says he's coming in, and in blood, she writes, do it. And when he hesitates, she writes, coward. She writes his description in her book on her laptop, types that she loves her family and died fighting. This is the part Rebecca doesn't like, because it's like, It felt like a 80s PSA for, like, I don't know, it was a lot. She goes to the bathroom, her vision fades, and she waits there holding the knife. Behind her, the man is in the tub, and she feels his breath on her neck and turns around and stabs him. In the kitchen, how did they get to the kitchen? I don't know. I guess she's crawling away to get more knives because right, right. She's not aiming. You gotta aim for the like sensitive eyeballs. Yeah, genitals. And she, I mean, later when he's um, strangling her, she's just like flop, flop, flop. I'm like gouge. I don't like gouging. You know, I don't like gouging. It grosses me out. But in this situation, you gotta gouge. Eyeballs. Get those thumbs in there. Yeah. Yeah. So they make it to the kitchen, as discussed. Uh, she collapses. <laughs> the man walks over to her, calls her a cunt, obviously. He's like, this didn't go the way I wanted it to. You messed up my white male terrorism. They're both she so sprays. stubborn. I feel like... I know. They would kind of make a good couple. They'd really like, challenge yeah, each other. Away together? <laughs> she sprays wasp killer into his eyes and sets the fire alarm off, which, as discussed earlier, is extremely loud and disorienting. He knocks her down and starts kicking her, but she fights back, biting and scratching him. Uh, He strangles her and she starts to fade out, but grabs a nearby corkscrew, conveniently placed, and stabs him in the neck. 
he dies and she lies next to him relieved but then realizes she's like also definitely dying so she grabs one of the phones i don't know whose phone there are so many phones in play <laughs> just like seven phones hers his john's matt uh sarah's uh and dials 911 the camera pans over the man's victim sarah and john and slowly to the house as maddie exits and sit on the front steps bitch the cat arrives and maddie pets her as the sirens sound and the cops pull up and that's the end of the movie bum 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 wait so are you not a fan of this movie i've always really liked it no i do like it i think uh on my with my spooky succubus uh with your ears and eyes yeah i i'm just like there's a lot of convenient there's a lot of like deus machina stuff like yeah Wasp Where killer is just laying yeah. in the on the kitchen floor. The corkscrew is just right there. It's like she yeah, doesn't have totally. any peripheral vision, so she doesn't see him. It just it's like some I don't know the the plot, the screenwriting is a couple little convenient spots. But I do think it was like yeah, well done. It's a good movie. It's fun. It's not it's not like a stellar like screenplay, but it's a tight, like good thriller that it was I was really like freaked out the first time I saw yeah, it. Yeah, the first time I watched it, I was like screaming. I was, yeah. Like, yelling at the uh, He's behind So you. I think we should kick off by talking about the deaf community's response and where we do and don't see ableism in this movie. Are you prepared to do that? Sure. No, we're not. No. Uh, so first and foremost, as we said earlier, the terms are hard of hearing or deaf. We don't use hearing impaired. Uh, and of course, right off the top, we have to note that Kate Siegel, as we all know, is not a deaf actress. She is the wife of Mike Flanagan. They wrote this screenplay together. And instead of casting a deaf actress, they cast her. Uh, they have later reflected and said this is a decision they regret and a decision they wouldn't make today. Uh, But there is, obviously, there's been, like, a huge outcry from the deaf community, like, what what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) um, So there's also uh, the trend of uh, that she was once, like, hearing. She was once, you know, able-bodied, but then becomes... Uh, deaf later in life so they a lot of people in the deaf community talk about how that is designed to sort of make her a more palatable and relatable character because she was once just like you and became like stricken later in life uh, which is a dangerous line of thinking for sure well that's yeah I mean that's how like uh, neuro and physical diversities are portrayed on in media in movies and in TV is like either to gain automatic affinity with a character like they're doing with Maddie or for like certain neurodiversities it's like for sympathy or compassion or to make the audience feel like a better person um or people and then or to make their main characters if like using a secondary or tertiary character um as like a device to make that care the main characters look better or the antagonists look worse so it's just like it and it's also so this article that i read which was uh written by an able able-bodied white guy um but was actually had some insightful things to say um was it written by one of the able-bodied white guys that have been beating me out for every fucking job i apply to probably <laughs> gross i hate them all but uh 
they so he cites a 2011 study, which is kind of closer to when this movie was made. Um, that in primetime television there were 600 reoccurring TV roles. Only six of those roles had notable ability diversities, and only one of those characters was portrayed by an actor with that like similar ability, like the portraying like an ability level that they had. So yeah. that's point one percent is fucked up. That's fucked That's up. That's disgusting. Disgusting. And I, I don't know. It's just like, I, I don't know. It's, yeah, they're, the, these roles are used to manipulate and are all, then on top of that, like our ableist culture prevents hiring people from that, like with that diversity is so, so messed up. It's just like, yeah. well, talk about kicking while you're down. I don't. It's also just so much about internalized capitalism and how we've been like trained or socialized to view like a complete person like even I like I now claim a disability because I have chronic depression that's debilitating and prevents me from doing my job sometimes Mm -hmm. and for like years I was like I don't have a disability that's worth mentioning on these forms like I can still function I'm still competent and it was like I feel like I related my own competency to my own to like oh I ability don't, I'm not, to mask I'm not disabled I'm still competent but I I can't like I literally like can't function sometimes I have a chronic illness and I don't think I've like ever really been able to acknowledge that because of how I've been socialized you know by my parents by capitalism all of these things that contribute to us being like you can't take a sick day bitch <laughs> how dare you not be hustling and yeah like hustle culture especially like uh, you know the people that I know or like have known like my friends in the industry is like every bartender has multiple jobs or like probably does and it's always yeah. like oh I just came for my other job and I have this other job later and like yeah I've definitely been like I've done that before and been like, yeah, I have four jobs. There's like nothing to brag about. Jobs are fucking stupid. Like you no, should, like I, do whatever makes that. you happy, but is you hustling, working for the grind, like is that making you happy? No. Like I don't Also we work. need to stop teaching like young people that are going through college that they have to be seeking out a career that gives them personal fulfillment. That's not an accurate <laughs> portrayal of what like your relationship to your job and your health should look like. Right. It's also, like, this is totally off topic, but I was going to say that, like, in capitalism, like, certain jobs designate, like, certain, uh, like... Classes. Classes, right? And it took me a long time to be, like, food industry is something that I'm good at and something that, like, I sometimes enjoy. Like, making cocktails is, like, depends on the people and depends on the cocktails, but it's sometimes fun for me and a lot more fun than I've ever had at a yeah. job where I've sat down and had a real person job and I Right. I why didn't it. I go to trade school? Like, why didn't I become an electrician? Because or a that's plumber. Sounds like fun. Plumber. Sounds like fun. Yeah. I mean, I like popping zits. It's probably <laughs> much the same as declogging <laughs> shit pipes. No, I don't, I don't have a problem. It's like... <laughs> I would be happy to be employed. Love it. I would be happy to employed in a trade right now instead of whatever the fuck bullshit I'm doing. Uh, I love it. (laughs) It's also an excuse not to give people health care or like 
fair wages. So, I mean, like, there's nothing wrong with Word being a plumber. Up. There's nothing wrong with being a landscaper, a garbage person, I a would like love, I would love to get into the industry. Like, I've thought about, like, serving or bartending, but because I have, uh, like, a chronic illness that needs treatment, I cannot live without health insurance or mm-hmm. I will probably not die, but, like, it won't be good. It'll be... <laughs> not good it'll be bad yeah (laughs) i don't want to talk about what it would be like uh yeah i'm just pretending my manic depression goes away when i go for long runs it doesn't uh at all but sometimes it helps so yeah i mean your brain is chemically misfiring but we're fine here (laughs) everybody's yay Um, so disabled critic Kristen Lopez uh, wrote about this she is wheelchair in a wheelchair uh, not deaf but she has talked a lot about disabled people and representation in the horror community Uh, and she says she enjoyed kind of seeing the normality of Maddie's daily life as we kind of talked about she's not imbued with superhuman senses to compensate or make up for her you know perceived disadvantage uh, she's just like a regular person doing stuff and we see her make like stupid decisions and we see her make good decisions and she's mm-hmm. she's just any other kind of like person experiencing this. Uh, and she also, Kristen Lopez also notes how much the horror community has capitalized on loss of senses being so terrifying to um, hearing people or mm-hmm. otherwise you know, able-bodied people. And if any of our terminology is wrong, please let us know if you're Tell a disabled me. creator uh, or, um, yeah, you have a chronic illness or any of these things that we're talking about. So I do like that even though this movie is far from perfect, it sort of subverts this ableist trope that uh, people that have neurodivergencies or disabilities have to kind of overcome the disability in order to triumph. Mm-hmm. And Kate Siegel said this in an interview, which I thought was poignant and thoughtful enough for someone who did take a role away from an actual deaf actor but okay here here we go (laughs) she says the man's ableism weaknesses and his belief that you have to be the same version of whole that he is in order to succeed is what ultimately kills him because he underestimates her after he realizes that she is hard of hearing he like plays it totally differently and ultimately it results in his own demise which is great we love to see a dead white man right can't can't say any that i love anything more uh (laughs) (laughs) but and i think it does there's only one instance where i think it verges on the superhuman um but i think it comes back to like his cockiness is like when she's in the bathtub in the bathtub and she yeah. feels the breath on her neck, but it's because he's so close to her because he thinks that he can do whatever he wants because she yeah. is lesser than him. Exactly. I wish she would have stabbed him in the neck, but, you know, fine. Get an artery I mean, in the leg. You it's say fine. this, but who, who knows what we would do? I mean, I am incompetent. Like, I'm an incompetent <laughs> yeah, person. Yeah, me too. <laughs> like, I spend my entire day walking into things in my apartment that have been there since I moved in. Like, if I could go one day without banging into a radiator, it would be a miracle. So who the fuck knows what I would do in this situation? Probably be dead. Mystery (laughs) Brews Club. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think that, like, yeah, it has problems, like, not casting a deaf person in a role in a character that is deaf. It's, like, big problem. And the voiceover scene um, could have 
been done in many different ways. Could have been a voiceover. Could have, been could have, been, could have been left out entirely and could have just Didn't been flashback yeah. scenes, like flash scenes of what could have happened. I think that would also be fine. Because um, a lot of this movie is like very... There's very little dialogue, and I think it's like I, I think in, there's something like 15 minutes of dialogue in the entire movie, and a lot and of that's... it is like yeah, the killer talking to basically himself. About yeah, like things. no one cares. Bro. No, no one wants to hear what you have to say. Um, yes, uh, deaf I... actress Millicent Simmons, also uh, from another horror movie, A Quiet Place. Uh, she saw this movie with deaf friends and said it felt really inauthentic and that her signing was really inconsistent. She was moving from ASL to like another version of signing and her um, her lips and like lip movements were fluctuating in a strange way. Just another reason, like if you're going to make a movie centering a person from a community, please just like m- make it about the person from the community. Huh? Right. What? Uh, and uh, yeah, a quiet place did that. Like the part of the story was about like her cochlear implant. Boring so, as the day is long, but not because of Millicent. Simmons. You didn't like you didn't like a quiet place. Not my favorite. I like. I feel like it was generally too quiet. I <laughs> saw it in a movie theater and was like really uncomfortable because there yeah. weren't a lot of opportunities to like go for my milk duds or like fart or whatever <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i do love popcorn and i'm i chew loudly so um that was hard but i did think it was a good movie i saw the second one uh killian murphy's in it so that was enough for me i was like you know, oh he's in it gotta stand. go i gotta get my yeah. butt in that seat yeah so um but i think like a lot of the times diversity like ability diversities are seen as like either having to symbolize something or something that has to be overcome and I think this like uses more of her author and her writer background as like how she gets out of the situation rather than her ability um she doesn't have like a super sense she's not like I can see a thousand feet in front of me yeah although she can read his lips but (laughs) you know like yeah I can see dead people yeah (laughs) briefly I do want to touch on the female friendship in this movie because I thought it was just such a like nice authentic portrayal of like two people trying to understand each other and get to know each other and Sarah is like a really thoughtful and wonderful friend to who is like really opening her heart and like her the limitations of the kind of world she lives in to include someone else mm-hmm. and then uh, that female friendship is utterly eradicated by misogyny by a man great yeah, <laughs> yeah. good times uh yeah, I think, like, I don't know, she just, it did kind of feel like a one-sided friendship. I don't know how much Maddie, like, really, <laughs> I don't know. Sarah, like, like read Maddie's book, book. Yeah. and, like, and learned ASL for her so that they commun- could communicate better. Um, but what did Maddie do for Sarah? That's what I want to know. Why didn't Maddie invite Sarah over for that delicious dinner that she was making? The dinner for one. The dinner for, I mean, I get making dinner for yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But like I, Sarah, I hope she was, um, she wasn't just like the only, she wasn't just the only try hard. I hope Maddie was also doing that. So. Yeah. I mean, I think there is something to be said about how Maddie feels isolated and maybe has difficulty like allowing new people into her space and her life as someone who like, you know lives with 
a disability that a lot of other people don't often understand. But I feel like she was, like, opening up. Like, she's, you know, you saw the, these subtle cues of, like, smiling when the text was received. Like, mm. you know, keeping her walls up, but, like, slowly allowing Sarah in. I would have watched a movie about them becoming best friends, honestly. Aw, cute. I mean, a cute movie. Uh, there is, yeah, at one point, Maddie says, like, when she's talking to her sister on Skype, that isolation happened to her, and I think that was kind of... I didn't love that, because, like... As she doesn't like, mention it in any other context, or, yeah. Right, it wasn't... Know. didn't feel super necessary. Like, I think living in the middle of the woods was a choice, um, and that's how you got isolated. Um, I would like to make that choice, in fact. <laughs> I would not. So speaking speaking of which, I wanted to talk a little bit about the kind of white supremacist myth of cities and urban centers being unsafe and the country being like a safe sort of idyllic space. Uh, obviously, this is I feel, yeah. White. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah? No, get in here. What do you want to say? Sip that coffee, babe. I was just going to say, I don't feel, I feel the exact opposite. I feel much That's safer. how Adam feels. He feels a lot much of people much more secure in the city around a lot of people and I feel like I have my anxiety like I have sensory processing issues so sometimes like noises or other stimuli give me like physical responses or reactions so living in the city is really really hard for me um but and I but I never feel like unsafe here because of the demographic or like where I live it's just literally like too much sound for me to process Mm -hmm. but it obviously is a white supremacist myth because um you know during the great migration many people moved from uh places in the jim crow south to urban centers because that's literally where the trains went and that's where industrial work was that's where they were able to like find tenement housing that was like way below the standard of what was like okay to live in but was what was available Mm -hmm. so people of color don't like they live in cities generationally because like you know in many cases their ancestors came up during the great migration which spanned like 50 60 years uh so the myth that sort of like cities imply danger i think derives from the fact that so many bipoc live in cities because it's where they can afford housing and it's where they can afford to live because living in the country and sustaining yourself in spaces where there's less industry is definitely like a white privileged position to be in. Yeah, because uh, there isn't the same like generational wealth that lends itself to buying property and buying homes and making your own businesses. Um, so you have to work for other people. God, right. I hate capitalism. <laughs> same a, here. What a yeah. riot. And we should also note uh, this as this movie demonstrates. The biggest threat to people, the biggest threat to security and safety of marginalized identities is and always will be white men. No place is safe from unchecked white male supremacy uh, if you are from a marginalized identity of any kind. Like, he doesn't even know Maddie. He doesn't know that she is hard of hearing. He finds out, like, after he's already mid-attack, he is doing this completely randomly because as we see, he weaponizes. He can. He weaponizes police brutality. He weaponizes, like, the fear of police. He weaponizes his own whiteness and maleness to do this crime for, like, seemingly no reason. As you mentioned, we don't really get any kind of, like, landscape of what a psychopathy is. He, she also says something um, when she's 
talking to herself in her head, uh, he's bigger, stronger, and faster, which is how a lot of women feel in any situation with a man. Like, if a man approaches yeah. you on the street and makes you uncomfortable, he is oftentimes, in my case, bigger, stronger, faster. And so, like, how to, like, exit a situation with your life is always scary, so. And also, men. like... Disgusting. Me too. The, like, the rap rapidity with which it goes from, like, he feels like he's in control of the situation, so he feels this sort of, like, supremacy... And when she, like, turns things around and becomes, like, an evenly matched kind of, like, opponent, he calls her a cunt, like, immediately. Mm-hmm. It's like when you're walking down the street, you're beautiful, baby, and then, like, you don't talk to them. You fucking fat bitch. Like, yeah. okay, bro. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> That's what, yeah, there's, like, uh, something, like, the other day, a guy, I was walking my dog, and he pulled up in his car and got out of his car, and I told Caesar about it, because I was, like, I just, like, didn't say anything and walked away, and I was, like, but that is also, like, that's what I chose to do, but that's also not always a safe situation, like, yeah, women have died that way by just simply doing nothing, by walking away from the situation that's saying nothing. That's usually what I do, and, like, it gets really scary, because you're, like, well, there's calculated risks to turning behind me and seeing what's going on or just, like, keeping my eyes front and keeping <coughs> moving. Like, you can't really know. Right. I don't... Men, Men are gross. Why? Why, why, why did why you is the patriarchy? everything? <laughs> I don't understand. Um, but anyway. I also wanted... This is, like, I would say a slasher film. Yeah. And it's so incredible, like, how much community exists in the slasher genre, but how, like, when men in real life become real-life slashers, we cannot reconcile it as terrorist white supremacist actions. Like, it's so crazy. Like, I was like, okay, who are some, like, you know, heavy hitter slashers? Like, we have Jason, Michael Myers, we have Billy from Black Christmas, we have Leatherface, we have, like, Billy and Stewart and Scream, Victor mm-hmm. Crowley, and then, like... We have the man, he's sort of no real name, general stand-in for, like, white male slashers, white Mm -hmm. men that weaponize violence against marginalized identities. But, like, these real-life serial killers, like, Leatherface is really based off of Ed Gein. Mm -hmm. Like, there are real people that do these things. And, like, we as a society just, like, literally refuse to brand them terrorists. Like, people that commit terrorist acts of mass violence against their communities for no other reason besides they just can and it's really like i don't know i guess maybe this point is going nowhere but i was thinking about how like crazy it is that this trope and this like topography exists so firmly in horror but when like actual terrorist acts happen nobody can like actually say what is happening Right. Why? Why? It's so much that this movie can be made as like a slasher and you can put a white guy with no name, no background, and we know exactly what his motives are. That's how prevalent the trope is in horror and has been since like our modern conception of a horror movie. So like... Why can't we but see then that? We are, we are also taught to put inherent trust in white men, in our governing bodies, like, in all of these spaces in our life where they're supposed to be, like, the authority and how, like, we can function as a society. But they're also, like, the primary perpetrators of, like, mass violence across mm-hmm. the world. So I, what happened? What, what happened? happened? Why can't we, yeah, why can't we, like, examine our media as, like, this is based in fact like just like everything Crazy. else Ugh. i don't know you have anything else 
I don't think so. I mean, yeah, it's very, it's a white, white movie we get. Quite a white. little icon of a black man. That's it. That's all we got. Anybody in this movie. Craig? Craig! And anyone in this movie easily could have been a black person, excepting the white man, because he's just white man through and through. I do appreciate, yeah. The, keep the white, keep the killer away. Yeah. Um, but anyone Sarah, else? Sarah, Maddie, or John could have been BIPOC easily. Uh, it didn't have to be a white cat. There was a lot <laughs> of opportunities. <laughs> bitch. I do love bitch. Like uh, so a final note, this is inspired by Wait Until Dark which is a 1967 movie where a blind woman portrayed by Audrey Hepburn mm. has to fend off home invaders who I guess are looking for a doll filled with cocaine. I've never heard of this I movie. love it. I Yeah, I Have had never heard it? of it either, but I want to see it. Alan Arkin's in it. I was like, what the fuck? I um, love me some Alan Arkin. That, yeah. that is true. Is he so, dead? He, like, just died, right? I don't know. I never know when, when celebrities are dead. Yeah, that's or true. That when is they get married. Your, it's not my... It's not your know. forte. No. Alan Arkin, no. He's still out Good there. Good for you, Alan in Arkin. These, in these streets, doing what he's doing. He's been married three times. Wow. Um, he's got a bunch of kids. He went to Bennington College. <laughs> Alan Arkin alert. This has been Alan Arkin Podcast. This is, Alan, <laughs> this is the Alan Arkin Podcast. <laughs> Alan Arkin. <laughs> And Alan Arkin. Alan Arkin um, and Alan Arkin. But yeah. we could do Waiting for Dark. We could do that movie. Yeah, Maybe we should. I'll put it on the list. I actually beefed up the list. We should talk about it after this. Okay. Cool. I like it. All right. Um, so we have, we'll fuck some stuff in a second, but we have a Patreon. Please head over there if you want more stuff. We've actually been kind of shitty about uploading stuff, but our lives have been really challenging. And we appreciate those of you that are still sticking with us, despite our just like general inability to function as human adults. We love uh, you all. We love you all. So that's patreon.com slash spooky succubus cast. We're going to be doing a bonus episode on the first uh, episode of Haunting of Hill House because as discussed we're Flanagan heads over here. Rebecca oh. just rolled her eyes. <laughs> I did not. I looked down at the tape that I'm rolling up. Sure. Sometimes. Sure, 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 sure. Sometimes and then I'm a Flanagan if head. you go to Apple Podcasts and rate, review and subscribe to the show we would really appreciate it. Uh, we would love to hear from y'all and yeah I feel like people are listening right? Are you listening people? I don't know. Tell us. Blink, blink twice if you're listening. Hope you like it. Uh, I'm going to say fuck uh, white privilege, fuck ableism, fuck John Gallagher in a nice way. John Gallagher Jr. I don't know who John Gallagher is. Maybe his dad. Maybe his dad. Um, yeah, I the first time I saw John Gallagher, I think we talked about this, was in Short Term 12 mm-hmm. with Brie Larson, which was tear-jerking. Tear-jerking is movie. Uh, now I want to watch Ten Cloverfield Lane because he's also in that movie. And Is he? I, I don't also remember just that. Liked. That I guess movie. John Goodman just really stole the show. I love John Goodman as well. I've, as I've said before, I grew up on Roseanne, um, and he's the only like thing that I can hold on to still from that show. So I'm gonna do it. What about what the fuck is his name? Galecki. No. He's participated in the Big Bang Theory for far too long. Um, maybe, oh shit, Laura? What's her Laura? 
you know, Mrs. This is Loomis. Bad. Mrs. Loomis, what's her Mrs. name? Mrs. Loomis, shit, what the fuck is her name? Patricia. Laura. I'm pretty sure it's Lauren. Oh, Hold on. You guys, is this Mrs. so hard Mrs. Loomis, to to? I know. I'm going to Roseanne. Let's see who Actor. gets there faster. Lori Metcalf. Lori Metcalf. I say it's Lori, Laura. Okay. I was close. Why was I saying Patricia? I don't know anything. <laughs> Patricia. Wherever you are, we're thinking of you. Um, All right. What do you want to fuck this week, madame? I've already said a couple. You weren't listening. It's okay. Oh, sorry. I was pulling up. <laughs> this is what I was doing. It's so stupid. I was trying to think of stuff we've talked about because I thought you're like image mashup Instagram post was so funny. It was fun, right? Yeah. So I was pulling up pictures of fake mustaches to put in that. <laughs> Speedy Gonzalez put him in there. Um, oh, hell yeah. I got, so far I've got a fake mustache, Speedy Gonzalez, and Alan Arkin. <laughs> Alan Arkin. Alan Arkin alert. Um, yeah, fuck. Yeah. All the stuff. I don't know. Everything. Life is Everything horrible. really fucking sucks right now. Um, like, I just like the world is crumbling. I'm really sorry we're all living through an apocalypse and still going to work. Like everything is fine right now. Yeah, hopefully this brings you. Does it spark joy? I don't know. Maybe. Even if, if it not, doesn't, put me in the trash. Game. No, don't comment. I belong there. Us. <laughs> all right, this has been the Alan Arkin podcast with Alan Arkin. <laughs> and Alan Arkin. We'll talk to you later. <laughs>